Good morning, Church Corporeal and Church Virtual. <laughs> Today's first lesson is Psalm 85, which reminds us that though God keeps forgiving us, God has every reason to be angry with us for our sin. Yet we can trust that God's love and faithfulness are stronger than our failures. Listen to the word of God. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. This is the word of the Lord. Last Sunday, we focused on the second chapter of the letter to the Ephesians, a passage in which Gentile believers are urged not to judge more conservative Jewish Christian believers as lesser than or even other. Instead, they're urged to overcome their divisions, to be grateful for being welcomed together into the family of faith through Jesus Christ. Well, today I want to focus on another passage in Ephesians, the preceding chapter, where the enormity of the gift of welcome into God's family is spelled out. So listen now to the word of God as it comes to us from Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read verses 3 through 11. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of God's will, to the praise of God's glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and insight, 
He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure that God set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance so that we who set our hope on him might live for the praise of God's glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, thank you for all of the blessings you have bestowed on us. And open our hearts in this hour, open our minds, our lives, that we might fulfill your will for us. In Christ we pray, and may all God's people say, Amen. Many of you know this already, but John and I are about to become grandparents. Woo! <laughs> we just spent the last few days in Albuquerque helping Annie and Spencer set up the room and, you know, folding, washing and folding all the baby clothes and things like that. God willing, sometime in the next week or two, it's coming soon, their little one will be born. Annie is very, very, very ready for the baby to pop. <laughs> and to say that we are excited about it, as you can tell from my calm demeanor, doesn't even touch it. <laughs> I, I confess that, that I'm actually a bit stunned at how much this matters to me. You would think by now that wouldn't surprise me, but there is something about generational transitions that's so significant it stops us in our tracks, doesn't it? When, when a little one arrives, when, when we launch a young person out of the house into the world, when we welcome an in-law through marriage, when we lose someone, a parent or grandparent, or worse, someone young. When those changes happen, time stops. Memories flood, both sad regrets and joyous recollections. These are Kairos moments when the day-to-day -day lists and challenges of Kronos fade into the background. And what matters most comes to the foreground of our hearts and our minds. I know I'm not the only one who has experienced this. Many of you have been through that in this last year. Some with the joy of welcoming a child into your extended family. And many more who have lost someone a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a spouse, a best friend. And in all of these things, whether it's the joy of new birth or the sorrow of death, in all these things, we're drawn into these sacred places, into places of memory, 
and into places of hope. We count again what we've inherited from those who have come before us. We ponder what we treasure most and what we long for the next generation to know. It is what Richard Rohr calls deep time vision. Deep time vision, like that, he says, of the Iroquois nation, which considered what would be good for the next seven generations. To be clear, this commitment, this commitment to look ahead to the next generations, it takes work. It's one thing to inherit something. It's another thing to be a faithful steward of that which we have received. I love this insight that I found in my work in advancement. And while it applies to money, it applies just as much to all of the intangible things that we've been given. Inheritance is property passing at an owner's death to those entitled to succeed. But stewardship, stewardship is an attitude that considers the impact on current and even future generations. How are these different? The author asks, all stewards inherit something. However, not all who inherit are stewards. Not all who inherit are stewards. If I inherit a plot of land from a distant aunt, I get to do with that property whatever I choose. That's my right as an inheritor. On the other hand, if I were to find out more about my aunt, about her legacy and this patch of land, and decide to carry out that legacy into the future, that, in my own way, is stewardship. The gifts, the gifts that you and I inherit, whether concrete or spiritual, the gifts that we inherit, they don't automatically survive to the next generation, let alone seven generations still to come. And, and if that's true for our families of origin, is it not also true for our family of faith? That the gifts we have inherited in the faith we have received are not automatically passed on to the next generations of our community, let alone seven generations still to come. We can take this inheritance for granted if we choose to. That's our right. Or we can choose to cherish these gifts that we've received in this family and be stewards of them so that many generations are also blessed. Today's scripture marks incalculable uh, gifts that we receive through Jesus Christ. The, the amount of the inheritance is quite staggering. We have been adopted as God's own children. 
We are part now of God's beloved family, scripture says, and there are so many blessings that are named in the text of Ephesians alone that I could go on for hours on this, and I promise you I won't. <laughs> but for today, I wanna to focus on three particular gifts that are named in Ephesians and also named in the psalm that we heard David read today. So the first gift is this. We have received forgiveness for the past. We have received forgiveness for the past. Lord, you were favorable to us. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin, the psalmist writes. And in Ephesians, we hear, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. Now, as we consider our inheritance as God's family, surely one of the greatest treasures we've received is forgiveness. As as many of us know all too well in our families of origin or families of partnership, forgiveness is not a blessing that every family can take for granted. In a thousand ways, past wrongs can toxify the present. When grudges are held and wrongs revisited incessantly, or, or the opposite, when sins aren't acknowledged and, and injustices are just whitewashed as if they didn't happen at all. But in God's family, in God's family, scripture tells us we are given the powerful, powerful blessing of genuine forgiveness genuine forgiveness. Our sins and failings are named for what they are. They are named for what they are. The damage they've done is acknowledged. And, and at the same time, God forgives us all of our debts, forgives us everything through the love of Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us all. Our sins are acknowledged and they are removed, washed away, made clean by the blood of the cross. Forgiveness of the past is the first treasure of our inheritance. And it is that treasure that then allows us the freedom to cherish the second that we've received, a vision for the future. Without forgiveness, we'd be trapped in the past. But instead, we are open to have vision for the future. Ephesians describes the vision this way. God's plan for the fullness of time is to gather up all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. And in the beautiful words of the psalm, steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. 
Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. Scripture names the future that God has in store for us in countless ways, like, like the lamb and the lion dwelling together in peace. But they all point to a similar vision, the mending, the mending of all that is broken and torn, the promise that in the end, love really wins. The greatest of these is love. The promise that justice will have its day. The reassurance that all things, even the lost sheep, will be gathered. And none of us, none of us will be forgotten by God or left behind. This is the vision of the future that God gives us as a treasure we inherit. This future still to come. And it's that very vision that fuels the third treasure of our inheritance, the purpose for the present. Instead of David's cynicism, Instead of hopelessness or, or the pursuit only of material comfort or achievements or fame, we are given sacred purpose for our lives. This is our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Scripture is filled with examples, but notice the echo between the psalm and Ephesians. The psalmist writes, Surely God's salvation is at hand that God's glory may dwell in our land. And in Ephesians we hear, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance so that we who set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of God's glory. Our sacred purpose for this present time right here, right now is to praise, to celebrate God's glory. And that purpose can emerge in countless ways wherever we are. Our time spent praising God's glory in creation, cherishing its beauty and preserving its blessings. Our time spent praising God's glory in the gift of love giving thanks for our friends and family and faith community, for those who know us through and through and love us anyway. <laughs> we can praise God's glory by savoring the privilege of freedom and the rights we enjoy and the power we have to name inequities and yearn for justice. We can praise God's glory through the delight of learning the power of truth, the wonder of music, the glory of art. To praise God's glory in our church fellowship, in these ties that bind us one to another, in the mutual care we share with each other, in the generous support we receive in our hardest times, which I suspect 
all of us in this room know well. And the joy we have when we celebrate our blessings together, something that I, for one, will never take for granted. This is our inheritance in Christ, forgiveness for the past, vision for the future, sacred purpose for the present. This is our inheritance to notice, to cherish, to savor, to live. But it's more than ours alone, isn't it? It is a sacred trust passed on to us through Jesus Christ. And it belongs to us now. It is ours, ours to tend, and it's ours to steward, each one of us, so that these gifts don't end with us, so that they're shared, as scripture says, with generations yet unborn. <laughs>